um, believe in the Bible. We're an evangelical church, and as such, we believe that God reveals enough in this book to find him, to, to have a relationship with him, to um, deepen in our understanding of him, and to um, share our lives with him. He wants us to share our lives with him. And because we go through books of the Bible, I need just to set the scene of where we ended last week. We've been going through an Old Testament book um, called One Samuel. And we're, we will today be halfway through the book. So basically we've done 15 chapters of this, of this book. And last week we ended where um, we looked at one of the kings, the very first king that the nation of Israel had had, um, and his name is Saul. And Saul lost his opportunity. He had a calling on his life from God. And he was equipped. Whenever God calls any, anybody, he equips them for the task that he asks you to do. Saul has free will and Saul chose to be disobedient. And I suppose last week's message was all about obedience and what that looks like. And, and I stressed that obedience really needs to be 100%. Now that doesn't mean that we never mess up. You are surrounded by people who mess up. Some, a lot of the time. That's why I've got no hair. I used to, never mind. Okay. I mess up, we all mess up, but having messed up, what's your next step? We believe in a, in a, a Father God who loves us. And that we can turn to him and put our hands up and say, look, I, I, I blew it. Forgive me, restore me back to this relationship that we have. And that's great news for some of you in this room. Maybe some of you are not in a right position with God. And let me tell you something now. If I was going to give a title to the message, it would be New Beginnings Today. I don't normally do that, but you'll see why New Beginnings fit, fit so well into, into the, where we're going with, with, with the sermon. You have a very powerful opportunity right today to get your life sorted out and the secret is this and it's not really a secret the secret is that we need a new heart everyone in this room needs a clean heart before God and we have this wonderful opportunity and I read from Psalm 51 last week where it says create in me a clean heart a new heart you can't do it you, you, you know, you can strive and you can, you can do everything in your power, but you'll never change your nature. But he can give you a new nature, a new one. And he does that by giving us a new heart. And today's sermon is looking at the second king. We get introduced to King David. David is probably around about 15 years of age today. Not today, sorry. <laughs> On the day that I'm looking at. 15 years of age. And God is always at work preparing. Just because Saul has blown it. And lost that opportunity. That doesn't stop God. And the remarkable thing is. God has a plan for everyone in this room. Everyone. Whether you believe that or not. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. Why do I say that? Because the Bible tells me that A, God loves you, 
B, God calls you. And C, having called you, he has plans for your life. And people can drift through life and miss the calling of God. How sad. How sad. You were created, and we're going to look at this, you're created for so much more than what anyone in this room believes is possible. Including me. I haven't seen yet what God is going to do with my life. That excites me. That gives me hope. Gives me confidence. I have to confirm that every now and then, when I mess up, I have to get back on on my knees, back before God, change that position and say, come on. Because God is saying, come on, Alan, get up. Let's go forward again into what God has prepared. And he's got plans promises, the whole shooting match. So let's look at David. Before we actually put the scripture on on the, well, it's there, look. We'll be finding David in a few verses' time. It's the first time the person of David has been mentioned in the Bible. And he will go on and be mentioned more than 1,100 times. This David, which means beloved of God, this David is mentioned more than Moses, more than Abraham, More than everyone else except, can you give me the Sunday school answer? Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus comes through this line of of David. In other words, the plans of God are set in motion a thousand years ahead of Jesus coming to earth. He knows exactly what's going to happen. Let me tell you something. He knows your choices today. God knows them. Wouldn't it be great if we could surprise him and get a few right? A <laughs> little bit of light-hearted humour, but we'll look at it. Look. The Lord said to Samuel, Samuel is our Old Testament prophet, and that means he's the spokesperson of God. And if you look at this few verses, the intimacy that Samuel seems to have with God is amazing. I'm always a bit frightened around people who talk to God like this. We've got the Bible, you see. We've got this. And the revealed will of God is in the word of God. Samuel doesn't have this, so God has to talk to him supernaturally. And is he hearing a voice? Is he feeling inside him? But the directions that Samuel will receive are so precise. Do you know, I've never had a conversation like this with God. I've never... You know... I get my direction from the word of God. I know the word of God and I can get my direction. I have the spirit of God living within me. And yes, he directs my life, but not like this. This is amazing, but it's also necessary because he doesn't have the Bible. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? This king who had, the, who, who had a, an opportunity to lead the nation has, has messed up. But that's not stopping God's plan moving through. Even when we mess up, God's plan will still roll through history. He wants us to to get it right and get involved in it. How long will you mourn? I think think Samuel loves Saul. He's he's mourning at the lost opportunity that, that Saul had. He's mourning for the nation. They've lost their king. Does that mean they've lost God? Does that mean they've lost the, the direction for the country that's going to go? Will all the surrounding nations suddenly come on the scene and start to attack? What does it look like? Let me ask you a question. 
If you are a believer today, what do you mourn about? What, what stirs you to prayer? What stirs you? Do, you? do you know one of the things that I... I mourn over you lot. And I'm on about my congregation now. I mourn when you don't see what God can do with your lives. I mourn when, when you don't do what I know will work in your lives. Do you know, it'd be great to have a day off from mourning. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Look, look, I mean believe it. It, it. We don't lack for knowledge. We actually lack for application. What is this book saying to you? What is it telling you? You know what? Like we've gone a lot about identity. Who we are as people. Wouldn't it be great if we just took some of this on board and just said, do you know what? I am this person that God tells me I am. So there we have Samuel morning. But there comes a time when morning stops, you see. So God's going to speak. He says, look, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? All right, Samuel, I understand where you are, but let's get back on the plan. It's time to move things forward, and God is always moving things forward. He's the one that's rejected him as king over Israel. We know that Saul will continue to be king for a long time, maybe 30 years after this event. But he has lost God's anointing. He's lost God's presence. This is what he says to Samuel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Alright, get up. Start to move. Christians love to know everything, don't you? Alright, if God's asking you to do something, you want all the details, all at the one time, preferably by text or Facebook, right? or everything in one go. Don't work that way. Do you know, it does not work that way. You can sit there waiting for something to come, and it won't come. It gives you a part of the picture and says, come on, trust me, let's start to move. And as we move forward, we get more of the picture and more direction. But getting that initial impetus is down to your decision and my decision. We're no different. So this is what he wants him to do. Fill your own with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. It couldn't be clearer. God's made the choice. He knows the sons. If I was preaching from the New Testament, we've already looked at this in the Gospel of Luke, God knows you so well, he knows the number of hairs on your head. You don't have to count many, does he, Clive, with us? <laughs> but some in the room have got more going for it. But this is our God. Do you know he knows your address, he knows your phone number, he knows all the details of your life? It's always been the case. He's chosen a king from, from the tribe of Jesse, from the family of Jesse. Ever done this? Heard from God, and the first word out of your mouth is but. God, you've made a mistake. I, I know you created the heavens and the universe and you keep everything going and everything like that. Have you thought of this one? I can spot the flaw in the plan, God. Samuel said, how can I go? Hang on a minute. Last verse, God said, get up and go. Ooh. 
How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Have you thought of that, God? Have you actually thought about that? The Lord said, okay. Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. The problem that Samuel has is he's passing quite close to Saul. And Samuel's the sort of character that when he walked around doing his thing, the neighbours talked. The towns that he went through knew him, knew of him, knew what he'd achieved. And so there was every possibility, every likelihood, the king would hear that Samuel is about to anoint a new king. And of course, Saul being a bit of a character, he would probably kill Samuel. That's not a problem to God. Nothing's a problem to God. He hasn't just gone, oh, I didn't think about that. I know plan B. It was always going to be the case. This is what you're going to do. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. When you get there, I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. It could not be clearer, could it? Sometimes God speaks into your life, into your life, and it couldn't be clearer. And then something goes wrong, and the first thing that I hear out of people's lips is, oh, maybe that wasn't God then. It might have always gone wrong, but it doesn't mean it wasn't God. If you go to Bible college, I'm going to nail it now. If you go to Bible college, it's no good when the essays start to flow, and it gets difficult thinking God made a mistake. If God has asked you to go to Bible college, the line in the sand, you cross that and you never, ever return to it. There's a challenge for you, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just an opportunity. I could, I could go round the room and say the same. And what we do is we keep rubbing this line out. and so we, What we do is we cross the line and then we put another one on and another one on. You don't need to do that. If God has spoken into your life, that's it. We're so often dependent on circumstances. Let's have a look. So there's a good start. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. You wouldn't want this guy preaching because you lot would be trembling. When he spoke, things happened. The mountains could tremble. The Philistines, earlier in chapter 8, had had gone into battle and been defeated by prayer. This is the man last week who hacked somebody to death. As as he come to Bethlehem to to execute judgment? Has he brought a word from God? Or what? They don't know and they're frightened. And these are the the leaders of the town. It's a great question to ask. Do you come in peace? Samuel, we know who you are. Are Do we need to be frightened or, or is this a peaceful venture? Samuel replied, yes, I come in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. That means set them apart. They, they got bathed. They, they would change their clothing. They're coming before God with respect. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he, conse- he, Samuel, consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. The, the scene is set now. Samuel knows what, exactly what he's going to do. He's got to listen for God 
God is going to choose the next king. He's going to dump a horn of oil over this, this person who he's never met. You've got to really hear from God. If I walked into the room and one of the guests in the room and I just suddenly poured some cooking oil over your head, you'd think I'd lost the plot. Shall we try it? Shall I just pick someone? And... Well, I know Kenny. He knows I've lost the plot. <laughs> but this is exactly what's going to happen. He's going to come up to a stranger and he's going to pour the oil on his head. And it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit being poured out. The pouring of the oil doesn't do anything. It's just a, vis- a visible representation of the Spirit of God. But they'll know what it means. They will know. So, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Hang on a minute. A couple of verses ago, God said, I'll show you what to do. Why does he get it wrong? Why, what has he done wrong? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's all we ever do. We look at the externals. We find out that Eliab is a big fella, good looking. Let your imagination run rife. A bit like me. Angie, behave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Samuel needs to go to Specsavers. Right. Okay. <laughs> Get my thoughts back. Okay. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. How many times do we do the same thing? We look at the externals of everyone and make that judgment. We make that call. And that's fine if you're a good-looking chap or a good-looking woman. That's not what God does at all. He's not against good looks. Right? He's not against being beautiful. It is what's inside you, Angie. And you know what? That's straight out of the Bible. Let's have a look. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. It means nothing to God. It doesn't contribute anything. It's not a burden to be beautiful or whatever, it, but it, it doesn't contribute to your walk with God. This is good news, Ken, isn't it? Absolutely, brother. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. I'm so pleased that that's the case. I am so pleased that that's the case. People look at the outward appearance. Look, the Lord looks at the heart. And there's everyone in this room got a heart. The question now is, is it the right one? Is it the heart that gets you into fellowship with God? Or is it a heart full of sin? Full of selfishness? Full of wanting your own way? Sometimes the world does, Angie, but we're not on about the world, we're on about him. And he never takes your kindness as weakness. And if your heart is full of selfishness and sin... That's where I go back to Psalm 51. Thank you, Catherine. 
the need to be created a clean heart. And we can all have that. Every single person in this room gets a new beginning today, if they so want it. Isn't that good? You know, if I stopped it there, I've been talking 17 minutes, and that would do. We're just scratching the surface. I know, doesn't time fly when you're having fun, Anne? Look. (laughs) You may leave whenever. Look, your heart. The problem is always the heart. If it's wrong, get it right. If it's sinful, get it changed. Get on the get on the page. Come on, move on. Is it locked? Dum dum dum. Shall I carry on ad lib? Is it? Oh, okay. I'm gonna let me. I'll tell you what I'll do while he's doing that. I'll read you a psalm. Shan't we when it's back up? We were going to look at Psalm 19. Just while Graham loads Song Pro, David is the one that God has chosen. David is the one that gets this oil dumped over his head. He's, let's say he's 15 year old. David is a shepherd and David then goes back to shepherding. Nothing has changed on the outside of David's life. Nothing has changed other than the fact move it on again? Other other than the fact that actually now he's going to be chosen. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at their heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made him come. But Samuel said, no, has the Lord chosen this one? He goes through all the sons. All of them come before him. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. God's choice. So he asked Jesse, now he remembers now, he knows God has said to him, one of the sons of Jesse is going to be king. So he's worked it out. Are all these the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. Do you know what? He's the youngest doing the most insignificant job, he wasn't even invited to the party. Even his dad didn't know what was going to happen. His dad just viewed him as a child. Do you know, I think it's great we've got kids here. Let me tell you, as, as parents and grandparents, we've no idea what God can do with some of those young kids. No idea at all that the calling of God can come across a young kid. I've seen it with my own daughter... And I firmly believe that those children have the calling of God on their lives. But we have a part to play in that. We, as the church family, have a part to play in that. To encourage, to build up, to make this place fun. How great it is if the kids want to come, not when they're dragged by the parents. Ah, come on. They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Notice this and take heart from this. David's a shepherd. 
Do you know, he was learning the trade of caring for people even while looking after sheep. Sheep are stupid. We've had this before, but I'll remind you, we're all sheep, we're all stupid, we all think we know better. A shepherd knows sheep are stupid. A shepherd is the one that protects, guides, feeds, leads them to right pastures. Sheep can't do that themselves. The default is not there. It's the wrong way. And he sat and watched and protected the sheep. And that he was able to transfer to looking after people. Amazing that God will use your past, whatever your past looks like, for your future and for his glory. In this room, if we went round this room, there's a whole... A whole host of skill sets right here today. There's a whole variety of people in the room. Isn't that amazing? This is church. This is God's plan. Let's see what happens when David gets onto the scene. And so he sent for him and had him, had him brought in. He's a nice, good-looking lad. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and a handsome features. He's still a shepherd. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint this one. This is my king. Chosen by God. As a child. The other king will reign for years. At least 15, I would estimate. Maybe even longer than that. What does David... David's just come from the fields. He doesn't even know what's happening. He's not been party to anything. He doesn't understand anything. He stands there. This old geezer comes up and pours oil over his head. You think I'm strange. Move on. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, notice the change. From that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. What's what's Samuel do? Stick around to teach him? Not at all. Samuel goes back to Ramah. Wow. David goes back to the sheep, by the way. What then might go through David's mind? I've just chosen a psalm. David writes lots of psalms. We know next week, or in a couple of weeks' time, we find that David is a skilled musician. and And he plays... And writes music and writes these psalms. I think this is one of these that he wrote next. Can you put Psalm 19 up? Now, now you let your imagination go. This is not, what I'm going to say is not necessarily biblical. This is my thoughts on the, on the subject. The psalm, obviously, is the word of God. But how about this? All that's happened, did Samuel whisper into his ear and say, David, you're now going to be king of Israel. He must have told him something. He must have mentioned something. What does his family know when they see this oil running down this young teenager's life over, over his body? And he goes back, and I rather think as he sat and looked at the flock, and he looked at the sky, some of these words would have come through his mind. Look. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hand. Kay always speaks about creation. Well, look, if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder, is there a God? Maybe today you'll look at it the right way. Day after day they pour forth speech. 
Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for his son. You've only got to get clear of a city and look up at the heavens and see the design of the stars. To know in your heart that there is a God. How can I be so sure? Because that book there tells me that. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. That's what he does. He takes something and he can do with just so much more with all of us. So much more. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. They're never wrong. Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. You know what? To follow this book isn't a burden. It's never meant to be a bondage. It's actually, if you do it God's way, life works. Honestly, it's, it's that simple. If you do it your way, you run the risk of messing up. You want to get more out of life? Dead easy. Get yourself out of the way and do it God's way. And I speak as one. This will shock many in the room. I'm 60. You can be more shocked than that. <laughs> Some of you just are good at holding expressions. Okay. I've had 60 years of practice. And the 30 that I did without God, I messed up big style. The last 30 have been great. Still had its problems. Still, it's still not always been plain sailing. But I can look at it and say, most of the time it's when God has been out the, the debate, when I've chosen my own path. I don't always get it right. We know that. Some of you could have said, oh, that shocks me, but there we go. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. In other words, look, it's worth searching out some of this stuff. It's worth you putting some effort into the Bible. It's worth you putting some time in and understanding what God's thoughts on a subject are. Is that something you might like to do? It's like giving you an exam. Don't panic. It's like giving you an exam and then giving you the answer sheet at the same time. Look, this is how it works. Do it this way. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Do you know what? We mess up sometimes. We don't even know we've messed up. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. And then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Wow. Do you know that God can see you blameless? Now that is really good news. I'm glad God forgets sometimes some of the stuff that I need him to forget. I'm glad that there is forgiveness and restoration. I think David would have been pondering those things as he, as he was looking after the sheep. 
There's two parts to this sermon. And because there are some guests and people not used to me going on for so long, and Catherine's got a party to go to, right? I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll give you the end of next, uh, in a couple of weeks' time sermon. Put the other psalm up for me, please, David. Uh, Graham. Psalm 139. And I'll cut the service short, or my part of it short. That will be a miracle to many people in this room. <laughs> okay, it, look, another psalm. Right? You'll have forgotten this, so I can get away with using it again anyway later. This is God. All right? This is a prayer that I want you to pray. I challenge you to pray. Don't do it light-hearted. Do it alone with God. Mean it, if you're going to pray it. Just open yourself up to God's love. Watch. Same writer, David. King David. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Well, that's a, a little mind blower for a start. God knows you. You might think you're getting away with something. You're not getting away with anything. God knows everything. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. That's pretty intimate knowledge. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. That means if you are God's child, there is nowhere you go, there is no action you ever take without God knowing it. If you're not God's child, it's still the same. The only difference is you don't know that. You don't know that. doesn't stop it happening. Right? God knows everything. And, and he's not some distant God. He wants to be actively involved with everyone's life. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. In other words, he's guiding you through life. We live in a world where we reap the consequences of our own actions. We reap the consequences of other people's actions. And they can hurt. They can hurt because we don't live in isolation. But understand this. God knows what you're going through today. If you're going through something, God knows. God cares. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, and it should do, and it's too lofty for me to attain. That's why I said if you're going to ponder on this and, and do it as a prayer, to sit in the wonder of God is amazing. Where can I go from your spirit? Absolutely nowhere. Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. If I go up to the heavens, well, you're already there, God. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there as well. This is our God. This is the God who loves us and wants the best for our lives. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. He will never, ever let you go. You can go through some really difficult times. And we do. We do. This world can be a, a horrible place. But God never lets you go. He never lets you go.
If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And look at this. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God's got a great sense of humor as I look around the room. You're not that shape. Well, some of you might be a bit overweight or whatever, but what I'm saying is, no, look, I'm... (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay, okay. That might have come across slightly wrong. Okay. The framework is set by God. Let's leave it at that, okay. (laughs) The framework is set by God. Whether you're tall, short, as I said, God knows and he created us for a purpose. We're not an accident. There's no one in this room is an accident. There is no one in this room who can't know the love of God. There is no one in the room who God doesn't desire good things for. Have I finished it there, Graham? Or is there one more? Go on then, put them up. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Everybody except Pearl, keep out of that. What do you see? It's an in-joke, start between Pearl and I. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you... Sorry, Ken? Not what God sees. And that, do you know what? That's wisdom. Not what God sees. I challenge you to believe this stuff, to move in faith. Like, like Samuel had to move. Get up, move. Look in the mirror and see what God sees. What might that look like for some of us in the room? Hello? What might that look like? Sorry? Well, he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And let's face it, God doesn't make a mistake. You are the person God designed you to be. Living at the time that God wants you to be alive at with a plan that God has for your life, all those things are set in Scripture. It's even more than that. If you look at Acts 17, you're actually living at where God wants you to be living at. That's how much God's in your life, even if you don't know that. What a challenge to look in the mirror. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained to me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God. Our God. This close. How precious to me are your thoughts. Do you know that? Do you know the love of God? Do you know how much he loves you? Today, God has been thinking of you. Okay, let's try that again. See the face? Let's try exercising. 
creator of heavens and earth and all the stars and he holds everything together has been thinking of you. That should cause something to rise within us. When you look in the mirror next time, when you look in the mirror next time, just look with a different eyesight. Do you remember what Samuel discovered? Man looks on the outward appearance. Oh, we can see the wrinkles. Some of you can see more wrinkles than others. But God sees something completely different. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. And were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. That's how much God loves you. What a great place to stop. What a great place to worship God. Say thank you.